Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. Well, it's been a busy summer and we praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord to be able to get the gospel out. And I appreciate all those that have been involved in that. I have seen so many new babies around the last couple of weeks. And uh, do me a favor, ladies, hand those off to my my daughter-in-law, if you would, please, because my son's coming home in a couple of weeks and um, I'd like a new baby. Um in a nine, about nine months. That'd be really, really nice. If you've got a new baby here this morning, would you, would you stand with that baby? There's several of them I already saw. I know many in the, you know, over here, the Beats family, they were, that's, the baby's been to church already, right? This is her second, third week, fifth week. Wow. She ought to be teaching soon. My goodness. The Beats, congratulations. Where else? I know we have more. We're, oh, back here. Yeah. Now, this is her, this is his first Sunday, right? Asher, is that right? First Sunday in church. Who gets saved next Sunday? That'll be wonderful. And then the Owen, is the Owens family, are they, is the baby in here? Baby's out. Okay. I saw their baby this morning and I know several others. The, the, uh, you guys can be seated. Thank you. Um, they um, uh, bring their babies into the service because I help put them to sleep. That's a... <laughs> I talked to a pastor uh, a couple weeks back and I said, uh, how big is your church? He said, we sleep 700 every week. <laughs> so I don't know if that's a good or bad, but congratulations to all of these. We've been talking about all these families, all these new babies coming and uh, they're starting to come and second service will have more. And so thank you uh, for praying for these families. I know they appreciate your prayers and, and uh, I love life. Don't you love young life and children and it's a wonderful thing. Praise the Lord for that. Roman, or I'm sorry, Revelation chapter nine, we were in this last week and I did not uh, intend for this necessarily to be a a series, but um, wanted this to uh, uh, really just looking at this passage of scripture. I was studying and praying and in originally, as I looked at Revelation chapter nine, I was looking at it as just an opportunity to address this issue that many have. Where, where's God? What is he doing? Why isn't he answering prayer? Why doesn't he do something about the condition of this world? We fervently, earnestly ask the Lord to do things, and it just seems like he's delaying or maybe he's saying no. And some of the things we're asking him to do, most of the things we're asking him to do, if not all the things we're asking him to do, are, are good things. They're things that we would think that God would want to do. And why Why is he allowing things to happen in the world the way they're happening? The world is not getting to be a better place. All the initiatives and all the things that uh, uh, mankind, every government in this world is trying to put upon mankind to do is not going to make the world a better place. How do we know that? Because the Bible tells us this, that in the end times, there's going to be wicked things that are going to happen. 
the world is going to get worse and worse. And, and for those that are Christians, what that ought to do for us, instead of getting us to a place of anxiety and depression about what we're seeing around us, it ought to bring us to a place of two things. Number one, it ought to bring us to a place of excitement, knowing this, that this is a sign of the times that Jesus Christ is coming for his children, Amen. for his bride. Number two, it ought to do what we saw on this video uh, before I got up to preach, give us an even more passionate desire to get the gospel to every single person that we can get the gospel to because Jesus is coming again. And as a Bible believer, as someone that understands and knows the Bible, as our church does, we know this, that as the signs of the times are coming, as Jesus, his return is approaching, the world is going to get worse and worse. Paul reminds the church of this so often. He reminds Timothy, it's all throughout the New Testament to encourage us, not to discourage us, not for us to run from what we see, but to run with the gospel to what we see, because we have the solution. Solution in the solution is the gospel of Jesus Christ. That ought to excite the church. But as we see these things approaching, we know this that there's going to be a horrible time upon this earth. And it's known as the, the Great Tribulation. I want us to go to Revelation chapter number nine and uh, allow me, I'm not going to go back and rehearse what we preached last week. You can go and listen to that message, but I want to read the same passage of scripture because this will be our text here today. Revelation chapter nine is speaking of the events that are happening during the great tribulation and the sixth angel sounded. And I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet loose, the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. These angels, as they're loosed from the great river Euphrates are going to bring just unbelievable, unbelievable judgment here upon the earth. The four angels were loosed. And this is John. John, the book of Revelation is where John is looking and seeing into the future, these events that are going to take place. And he says this, the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour and for a day, for a month, for a year, for to slay the third part of men. Great destruction is going to take place upon this earth during this time. And a number of the armies of the horsemen were 200,000, 000, that's 200 million. And I heard the number of them. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. As he is looking, he sees these horses and them that sat upon them, having breastplates of fire, jasonith and brimstone, and the heads of the horses were the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke in brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and the smoke, by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. Now, many will look at this, John obviously realizing as he is looking into the future, as he is seeing the future, he is seeing and describing what he sees. Some believe this, some, and, and, and I, I'm not necessarily uh, in opposition to this belief at all, but some, many believe that what he's seeing are what we would see as modern day uh, tanks and helicopters and, and, uh, what we would see, obviously John 2000 years ago, that's not how the wars took place, but he is looking and seeing the events of this world. And he's describing what would be described on a modern day battlefield. 
bombs being dropped and in and bullets coming out of guns and tanks and all the military might that we see. He sees all of these things happening. Again, let's look at this. By these three was the third of the men killed by fire, by smoke, by brimstone, which issued out of their mouths for their powers in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents and uh, had heads and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by the plagues yet repented not. Circle that or underline that. We're going to talk about that this, this week or maybe next week. The rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands that they should not worship, that they should not worship devils and idols, gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Outside of the destruction of a third of mankind being killed in this passage of scripture, verse number 20 is probably the one that is even more um, alarming for us. A third of mankind is killed on this day, but two-thirds of the man, mankind that is alive, that is living in wickedness and sin, they don't see what's taking place. They don't repent. The Bible gives us this understanding that, matter of fact, what they do is they even harden their hearts even further. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. I want to start today with this understanding as we look at this passage of Scripture. We see in verse number 14, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. Now when we get into this passage of Scripture, we start talking about some things that I'll be honest with you, they're difficult to, to really understand. We were, I was with Larry Wise this uh, past Thursday. We were driving back and forth from Bono and we were talking about end times prophecy. And he said, you know, I believe all of it because I believe the Bible, but, but think about some of these things. They're really hard to put our mind around. All of the things that the Bible says are going to happen, it's hard to put our mind around, but at the same time, we're seeing all of these things come into play. I was listening to a, a, uh, 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 some, some that are going to be running for president. I was listening to an interview that many of them had, and in one of the issues that they were talking about was this, this uh, 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 banking system with the, with the global currency and, and uh, uh, everything going to this one digital currency. The Bible speaks about all this, a one-world economy. The Bible speaks about a one-world religion, and I, I see even in Europe and, and Many a times we look at what's happening in the Middle East and in church. I want to say to you this, keep your eyes posted on what's happening in Europe as well. If you want to see the signs of the time, the Bible talks about the Antichrist coming out of the old Roman Empire. <laughs> all, of, all of that old Roman Empire is coming together. And the talk right now is, is this, this alliance of all of the military might in Europe coming together. All of these things that are happening, all of these things that we see taking place in the world today, we find it rooted in Scripture. 
We read of these things happening. We read of military alliances coming together. We read of, of one world religion, one world governments all coming together. And we see the signs of that coming together today. And we find here in the book of Revelation that these things are going to happen. God is going to allow these things to happen. But as these things are happening, they're being manipulated. They're happening based upon evil intentions. I want you to write this down someplace in your notes. Satan is evil, but God is sovereign. The series that this turned into that I'm preaching on, it is not necessarily just to take and what does it mean fire coming out of this beast and what does that mean and put up pictures of tanks and we can figure that out and we could all be wrong on that. I don't know what that is, but I do know this. I do know this, that God, just because he didn't answer your prayer immediately doesn't mean he's not listening. We looked at that last week. Secondly, I know this is true, that Satan is evil, but God is sovereign. I bring all of these points that we will have in this series together to encourage the church so the church understands in this evil day where it seems like the world is spiraling out of control that God is always in control. He's always in control. Satan is evil and God is going to unleash, allow this, this unleashing of evil to take place. In verse number 14, we're going to find that these four angels, which were bound in the great Euphrates River, are going to be loosed. These, these seem to have power. These angels that are going to be loosed are going to have power. If you were to study Daniel chapter 10, and I don't have the time to get into all of that, but, but boy, I'll tell you, when you're studying the book of Revelation, ought to come and study the book of Daniel as well. To understand Revelation, you have to have Daniel. To understand Daniel, you'll need the book of Revelation. But in J Daniel chapter number 10, verse number 13, Daniel is praying, and an angel comes to Daniel, and, and he speaks of this, this prince of Persia. This prince of Persia is not a human being, but this prince of Persia is a, is a demonic being. And there's this battle that's taking place even back in Daniel's day. And this battle that is described in Daniel 10 speaks about Michael the archangel battling. The Bible, Jude, talks about Matt, Michael the archangel battling with Satan for the body of Moses. We find in the book of Daniel where there's this, this uh, demonic presence in, in, in Michael the archangel, the, the angel of the, the uh, prince of God's people, specifically Israel, God's people. He is battling with the, these princes of Persia. In Daniel chapter 10, it also talks to per, uh, prince of Greece or Grisha. This is another evil a uh, 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 prince that is ruling this world. And again, I don't have the time to get into all of this, but Satan, Satan, remember when Satan tempted Jesus, he brought Jesus upon the top of a high mountain, said to Jesus, you can have all the, 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 uh, uh, the world empires if you'll bow to me. The empires of this world are being controlled by demonic presence, by demonic beings. When we look and we see the corruption and we see the, the, the uh, trajectory of, of, of many of these world empires and, and governments, and you wonder why are they so evil? Because there is a, an evil presence about it that's moving in the hearts. 
God is allowing these things to happen. And it's only going to get worse during end times, during the time of tribulation. These four beasts are going to be uh, let loose and they are going to oversee and, and cause havoc and cause war and cause crime and, and just judgment upon this earth. Paul understood this because Paul said in Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. In Christian, this is where we need to understand. Many a times we see life just through our, our human eyes. What we see, flesh and blood in front of us. And we deal with it based upon emotion and feeling, just about flesh and blood that we see in front of us. But Paul in Ephesians 6 reminds it, and, and, and we find in Revelation we're being reminded, and Daniel reminded us, and all through the Bible reminded us that it's not flesh and blood that we're wrestling with. There is principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. The battles that we're facing are, are evil, wicked, demonic battles. The things that we see that are seemingly spiraling out of control, where it just seems like the world thinks this makes sense, but those that understand the word of God and those that are children of God are looking and saying, this makes no sense at all. The reason why is because we're not dealing with something that is supposed to make sense. We're dealing with demonic influences that want to do everything to mock God and cause destruction and cause mankind to do the opposite of what God wants. God wants you and I and all mankind to be in his presence for all of eternity, worshiping him. And Satan is on a course to do everything he can to cause confusion and cause destruction so that mankind will spend eternity apart from God. And that's where this comes down to. Spiritual. Yet we as the church so often, we want to wrestle in this world. We want to wrestle with flesh and blood. There's a spiritual attack against your home. If you want to know what is going on in our marriage, why is this happening, that happening? I'll tell you why, because there's spiritual influences that want to destroy your marriage. If you want to know what's going on in the life of my children, why is it seeming? How many of you remember when the kids are so cute? So small. Hold those babies up again. Aren't they so cute and wonderful? And they would never do anything wrong until they turn about 14. And you think to yourself, what in the world happened to my cute, innocent, little child? I'll tell you what happened. Demonic influences in this world that want to indoctrinate, that want to control the mind of our youth, not to point them to justice, not to point them to righteousness, not, not to point them to God, but anti-God. And it is a spiritual warfare that is taking place. In many of us, many of us as Christians, we are not ready for this warfare. That's why the Bible says, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand in that evil day. 
You can't stand against this in your own flesh. You can't stand against this in your own power. We do have victory. Many a times we want to fight this in our own wisdom, in our own strength, in our own knowledge. We wonder why is there victory today? Because you will never have victory in yourself, but you will always find victory through Jesus Christ. Always. So when we read of these things, this is not to cause us great concern and great distress. This is actually to encourage the Christian knowing this, that greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. This is the promise we get from God's word, that we can face this opposition. We can have victory in these perilous times because we have Jesus Christ. There's wicked princes that rule the empires of this world. There's battles that we see and there's battles that we don't see. But one of the things that I understand out of this passage of scripture, when he says he's going to loose the four angels, that means this, they don't have control until God allows it. So please consider this. Satan is evil, but God is sovereign. There's only control under God's allowance. They are going to be loosed, but they're only going to be loosed in God's timing. Evil does not have victory. At no time does evil have victory over God. God is always in control. God is always victorious. Don't get the idea that Satan can do whatever he wants, although it seems and it is apparent that Satan does have power upon this earth because God allows it. But don't get the idea that Satan can do whatever he wants. The Bible is written. The Bible is finished. Revelation is complete. We know how this story ends. Don't get discouraged, Christian. As I said, greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. Don't allow the things of this world to discourage you to the place where you want to quit, where you want to give up, where you start to doubt God, because what is in us is greater. Not you are greater. What is in you greater is he that is in you. What is that? The spirit of God that dwells inside of you will always have victory over evil. I remind you, One of the most tender passages of scripture that we can read is when Jesus says to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you. Satan, if he had his way, would have destroyed everything about Peter's life. But the comfort comes in this, but Jesus says this, I have prayed for you. That not only shows us the power of prayer, that shows us the compassion of Christ. And it shows us that what Satan wants, he can only, he can only have under God's sovereign authority. I think of the book of Job. Remember, it was God that said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? And Job kind of throws his little temper tantrum. Yeah, I have, but I'm not allowed to touch him because you have this hedge of protection around him. Meaning this, that the only time something like that happens is because God is a sovereign God. So it doesn't matter how powerful Satan may seem in the moment in Job's life, God is still in control. No matter what you're going through today, God is still in control. You say, I don't don't know if one more thing happens. I don't know if we can deal with it. You can. How do I know that? Because God is in control. And we must trust his plan. 
Boy, it just seems like Satan is on attack. And it does. It seems like Satan is on a warpath. And he is. He is evil. But God is sovereign. Satan is still on a leash. As hard as that might seem as we see this world today, he is still on a leash. But he is still restrained because God is a sovereign God. I said this last week, I believe it was. There's no time that God ever says to the Trinity, what are we going to do? Satan outsmarted us there. God does not react to Satan's plan. Satan is always trying to react to what God's sovereign plan is, only to find this. He's always going to fail. He did everything he could. He brought the Messiah up on the mountaintop. He caused them, he tempted the Messiah to turn these rocks into bread. He tempted the Messiah. Why? Because if he could tempt the Messiah and the Messiah give into that temptation and bow to Satan, there would be no sacrifice that was sufficient for you and I to have our sin debt paid for. But greater is he that is in us and he that is in the world. Jesus Christ, through the word of God, through God's sovereign power, resisted Satan. And Satan had no power over over the cross. Satan has no power over your life because God is a sovereign God. And so in verse number 14, what we find is that God allows these four angels to be loosed. And what is going to happen is this great destruction is going to come upon the earth that is going to be by God's sovereign plan. Mark this down in your in your heart someplace, God is not concerned with who's going to win. The greatest trial right now in your life, Scott, God is not concerned in who's going to win. He knows because he's a sovereign God. Because Satan is a created being, but God is a creator. So often we look at Satan as God's opposite or God's, uh, God's uh, counter there and his opposite. The reality is this, God doesn't have an opposite because there's no one like God. On Satan's most victorious day, he can't compare to a sovereign God because God was not created. God is the creator. Would you mark this down in your notes and place God what I see in this passage of scripture as well, that God is not limited by time. Let's look at verse number 15. And four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, and for a day, and a month, and a year, for to slay the third part of men. Now, what is verse number 15 meaning? It just simply means this. There's a time. There's a specific time. There's a specific day, month, year, hour. This is something that a sovereign God already has the timing set. This is not some reactionary thing. That means this, God has a day, a month, a plan. He has a plan, a year plan. Nothing is going to change God's plan. Everything works in God's plan. And when this day comes, a specific day, Everything is under God's control. God is not limited to time. He has a timetable of his coming, of his choosing. Revelation 9.15 tells us there is a specific day. God is not limited to our events, to our timetable, to what we think. God has his own timetable set. 
That's why so often we say this, well, God came through just in the nick of time, in the 11th hour. Doesn't it seem like God always comes through in the last moment? Who created the last moment? You did. God came through exactly when he was going to come through. Your time frame doesn't matter to God. It's not like God sits back and says, yeah, this is how I deal with humans on the 11th hour when they, are th- they seem like everything else has failed. That's when I always come through. No, God comes through when he wants to come through. Every time. It's our feelings, our emotions, our human frailty that thinks it's always the 11th hour. It's always the last minute. It's always the last desperate thing. No, it's God's time. He deals with things in his time. We find this in Genesis 15. Again, you don't have to go there. You can mark this in your notes, but you would understand this. In Genesis 15, 16, the Bible is talking about the iniquity of the Amorites. They're not yet full, the Bible says. God put Israel in captivity in Egypt. Why did they stay there for so long? Because the iniquity of the Amorites were not yet full. God was allowing things to happen. He was going to bring judgment upon the Amorites, but it would have not yet full yet. God waited over 400 years before Israel went out into the promised land. Why? Because he was dealing with the Amorites. The Old Testament saints waited for the Messiah. Why didn't God just bring the Messiah when Satan, when, when Satan tempted Eve and Eve sinned and Adam sinned? Why didn't God just allow the Messiah to come the very next day? Because God has a timetable. Because in Galatians 4, 4, the Bible says, in the fullness of time, God sent forth the Son. It's all on God's timing. God has a time clock that we don't understand. God has a timetable that he works on. He doesn't work on our timetable. He always works on his because his is always just. His is always right. And his cannot be interrupted. How many of you set a, a schedule for the day? And it seems like no matter how you set that schedule for the day, something can always interrupt it. That's the story of my life. One meeting rolls into another meeting, and by the end of the day, I am four meetings behind. God's never behind. And I try to adjust my time. I try to do this. I try to be early. I try all these things, but it just seems like something can always We're always adjusting. How many of you have ever had to apologize for being late? You all better raise your hand. Half of you raise your hand because church starts at 930. Yeah. Go with me to 2 Peter, if you would. 2 Peter. Chapter 3. Look what Peter writes, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 3, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. This is God's timing. What's happening to this world? Does God know? Yes, he told us. Does God care? Can he do anything about it? 
2,000 years ago, he warned us. He told us in the last days, scoffers are going to come. Saying, where is the promise of this coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they were willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old in the earth, standing out of the water and in the water whereby the world that was, then was being overflowed with water perished. But with the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved under the fire against the day of judgment. God has a day in perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, who's he talking to? The saint. He says, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years with the day. What is he saying? God doesn't come at the 11th hour. God comes at the day he chooses. Your time isn't God's time. He is not, he is not at your timetable. He is not where the, the bill is due and God's going to come forth the day that it's due. God was going to come through the day he wanted to come through. The hour he wanted to come through. Because to us, to us, it seems like things are out of control. But God has the day. God has the hour. God has the moment that he does what he chooses to do. Look with me in verse number nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But what? He is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Why? Oh, why? Oh, why does it seem? like a sovereign God. Why doesn't he deal with the things that we want him to deal with at the time that we want him to deal with it, at the moment we want him to deal with it? Why does he do what we tell him to do when we want him to do it? Because he is long-suffering and he doesn't desire for anyone to perish, but he wants all mankind to come under repentance through Jesus Christ. Why is God long-suffering? Why doesn't God do something? Because he wants the human race to come to him. His love through the cross. But look with me in verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In which the heavens shall pass away with great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. This is all in God's plan. But the day of the Lord will come. See, God is not limited by our time. He has a timetable that he works upon. God has not forgotten his promise. God is coming. Go with me, if you would please, to 1 Timothy. Paul wrote this to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. Look what he says in verse number 14. 1 Timothy 6, 14. That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Until that time. Until that time, Christian. This is how you to behave. What's he say in verse number 15? Which in his times... He shall show who is the blessed. This is all God's time. Mark that again in verse number 15, which in his times 
he shall show. So what am I doing? I'm trying to encourage the church today that, that God's timing is what we need to understand. Understand this, you will never understand it, but God is a sovereign God. We can trust him. Write this down if you would, please. Number next, whatever we're on. When restraint is removed, the battles will begin. Look with me again in Revelation. God is going to remove the restraints, and when he does remove these restraints, great battles are going to begin. Look with me in verse number 16 of this passage of Scripture. Revelation chapter 9, verse 16. And the number of the armies of the horsemen were 200,000, 200 million, and I heard the number of them. Look what he says in verse 17. And thus I saw the horses in the vision and them that sat upon them. And he begins to describe them, their breastplates of fire. Jack, that is, that is um, hot blue flames. These, what he's describing, that word is a, a hot blue flame or, or an instrument of war that shoots fire, flames. As I said, it could be all kinds of things, tanks or helicopters. This is just John looking and seeing, how can I describe this? The heads of the horses were the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. We're going to see that when God looses these angels, when he, the restraint is loosed, battles are going to begin. Revelation 16, 14 talks about there will be demonic spirits working in the hearts of people to destruction. Listen to me, we're seeing the, the, that coming to pass where these demonic spirits, you'll think about the things that we're seeing in today's world today. How many of you ever looked at something or someone or some situation you've said, even out loud, that just seems demonic? It's because it is. Because it is. The armies are going to come together. The armies of this world are going to gather together in, in, in making up this 200 million army. The Antichrist is going to come out of the old Roman Empire, and all the armies are going to come together under this new Roman Empire the Bible speaks of. And they're going to bring war. They're going to bring panic. They're going to bring death. When God looses these angels, death and destruction is going to be poured out upon this earth. And lastly, I want to quickly give you this. Go with me to Revelation 9, verse 19. For their powers and their mouth and their tails, for their tails were like serpents and heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not. Mark that down. The world is under judgment and they still don't turn back to God. I tell you, this, this passage of scripture from here down to the end, it ought to cause us to pause. If God's love doesn't bring repentance, then his, then his judgment is going to bring rebellion. Right now, you say, why isn't God judging this world? 
because he's long-suffering. And he's showing his love through Jesus Christ, through the cross. You and I in this world deserve judgment. We have turned our back on the creator of this universe. We have mocked him. We have made fun of him. We have rejected the God of this universe. And a God of this universe has every right to bring judgment upon mankind today. But he realizes this. Judgment is just going to bring more rebellion in the hearts of mankind. So what does God do? He's long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. In the fullness of time, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, came. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He went to the cross. He died for you and for me. Say, why doesn't God do something about what's happening in the governments of this world? Why doesn't God judge these nations like he judged Sodom and Gomorrah? Why does God put up with what he puts up with? Because he loves mankind and he wants mankind to come to repentance. He's long-suffering. You're sitting here today. God loves you. He's not wanting to put all of this judgment upon you today because he realizes this, like in these end times, this judgment that comes, they're still not going to repent. Jesus speaks of the, those in hell gnashing their teeth. It's gnarling at God. They're not there in hell saying, I deserve to be here. They're sitting there still angry But God in his love and God in his kindness and God in his compassion is allowing judgment to come at a later time so that between this time and that time, you and I would see the wonderful work of the cross. You and I would see and experience the wonderful work of Jesus Christ, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He wants you and I to repent and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He's showing us today his love. We see it building in our world today. Look what he says in verse number 21. This is what the end of the world is going to be like. They're going to deny God. They're going to reject God. They're still going to mock him and not give up their phony fake gods. Neither repent today of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. These are the four things that I believe there's demonic influence and we're seeing it building in our world today. We're living in a world today where killing and murder. Can you believe that we are in debates today in our nation whether a child, a baby after birth can be murdered? Can you believe that? Because it's wickedness. It's coming from demonic influences. We're living in it today. Uh, that, that word sorcery is the Greek word pharmacia, which means this dispensing of drugs, drug use. We're seeing it today. 
We've got a generation of, of, of people that are under the influences of drugs, under the influences of something that is causing their mind to be altered. It's written here today that is demonic influences. Thirdly, there he says, they're not giving up or repenting of their fornication, sexual perversion in morality. I, w- I watched a, an interview and the one interviewing said to the lady, why don't you get married? And she said, why would I? And the, and the interviewer had nothing to say. Because if you don't believe this book, anything goes. Why would you? Because God said that's what he wanted. Why would I do what God wants to do when I can choose to live however I want to live? I can be whatever I want to be. I can. I don't need God's laws. That is demonic influence that is building in this world today. We see sorceries, we see drugs, we see fornication, we see sexual perversion. You see, all these things, why doesn't the world governments do something about this? Because it is influenced by Satan himself. Thefts, the crimes of stealing with no regard or restraint. Look at the world today. They're walking into stores with trash bags, filling it up of whatever they want. I was in a local store here and I was paying for something and the alarm at the door went off and nobody moved. So I went into like, you know, Spider-Man mode. I was going to get the bad guy, get him with my web. And And so I'm... I said to the lady, what do you want me to do? She said, nothing. I said, what do you mean nothing? She said, we're not allowed to do anything. I said, you're not allowed to do anything. What am I paying for this then for? (laughs) She said, I can't do anything. She said, that goes off all day long. I said, well, why have it there? I don't know. She says, and the the frustrating part is a lot of it's the same people that come in, but we're not allowed to say anything. We're not allowed to stop anything. If we we try to, we can get fired. It's unbelievable. Christmas time, my girls were all in a store with my wife and there were, a lady was pushing a cart. My wife said it was so full of clothes, clothes were falling off of the cart as she was pushing it. And the lady that was working was just walking behind her as they were walking out the door. She went out to her car. She put the stuff in her car. They drove off. If I want it, I can have it. I don't have to pay for it. I have to work for it. You owe it to me. Listen to me, we see this, we see killings, we see drugs, we see fornication, we see thefts, and we wonder, where is this coming from? Church, it is all demonic. And God has allowed there to be a period of time that's called long-suffering. Some of these things you and I were a part of. 
You don't have to live in guilt because you are in the period of this time that God calls long suffering. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you've been involved in any of these four things. The blood of Jesus Christ covers you in all of your sins. Washes you as white as snow. You can come to Jesus Christ because God is long-suffering. Some people say this, well, I, what I'll do is this, what will happen is when, when, when all that happens and I start to see it, then I'll realize what the preacher said was true, or then I'll read the Bible. And that's not what the Bible says here. What the Bible says here is the two-thirds that were left, they hardened their heart. They were not willing to repent. And they did these things even greater. Can you imagine a world where killing, drugs, fornication, and theft is worse than even today, it's coming. And when it comes, man is not going to turn to Jesus then. He's going to harden his heart even further. But today's the day of salvation. Today's the day if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, come to the cross. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org, and we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.